From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. As Prime Minister, Scott Morrison has made no secret of his deep evangelical Christian faith. At a recent appearance at the Australian Christian Churches Conference, he referred to social media as evil and said he believed he was doing God's work as Prime Minister. Those comments have ignited debate over the role of faith in political leadership. Today, columnist for the Saturday paper, Paul Bongiorno, on the Prime Minister's Pentecostal faith and how it fits with some of his policy decisions. Paul, this week it seemed like there was a a lot of attention on Prime Minister Scott Morrison's faith. Why was that? Well, Ruby, this week, courtesy of a scratchy video recorded on an iPhone, Scott Morrison has given us a window into his soul that previously he has jealously kept shut. Can can I also um, give God some glory tonight? In the video that emerged, the Prime Minister was speaking at the Australian Christian Churches Conference on the Gold Coast last week. And he asked the Pentecostal Conference to help him help Australia and said that he believed he and his wife had been called upon to do God's work. So, this is the help I need from. I need your help to keep doing what you're doing. I need your help to remind Australians how precious they are and how unique they are. Morrison also said that he'd sought a sign from God while on the 2019 election campaign trail. The most widely reported comments, though, were his remarks about social media. We all know that, how that is corroding and desensitizing our country and our society, not just here, but all around the world. I think it's an evil thing. I think it's a very evil thing, and we've got to pray about it, and we've got to call it out. And we've got to to raise up the spiritual weapons against this because it is going to take our young people. He described the misuse of social media as the work of the evil one, a reference to Satan or to the devil. Mm. Social media has its virtues and its values and enables it to connect with people in ways we've never had before. Terrific, terrific. But those weapons can also be used by the evil one and we need to call that out. Now, Morrison was curiously shy about his appearance at this conference. The media wasn't alerted to it nor were the usual transcripts supplied. His office says the Prime Minister was invited to address it, the same as he attends many other stakeholder events, including to other religious groups. So uh, the Prime Minister's office confirms it was a prime ministerial event and not a private one. Right, so why was Scott Morrison reluctant to publicise his involvement in this event, Paul? It's no secret that he's an evangelical Christian. He's talked about it publicly before. He invited the media to his church during his election campaign. So why was this different? Well, that's a very good question. And maybe as one leading churchman observed to me, Morrison was aware that he'd come perilously close to crossing the line between church and state in some of his off-the-cuff remarks. And uh, over the years in Parliament, I've got to tell you, Morrison has generally taken umbrage at any questioning of his faith. And I always don't mix my religion with politics and my faith with politics. And it's always been something that has informed um, how I live my life 
and how I seek to care for and support others. Even innocent queries are belligerently rejected as sneering or disrespectful of his right to freely practice his religion. Trying to confect religion and politics together for personal, you know, political gain. I thought it was very disappointing. At one level, this shouldn't be surprising. After all, we all lead our lives according to our own value systems and beliefs. But a Prime Minister is no private person. He's elected to lead a nation with a secular constitution. And in a representative democracy, voters are entitled to know on what basis such a leader is prepared to do the job. Well, I think, for example, if Morrison was Prime Minister when many Liberal parliamentarians were pushing for marriage equality, it wouldn't have happened. How so? Well, despite Morrison claiming his electorate of Cook wouldn't support gay marriage, it returned a 55% yes vote. And rather than representing this majority view of his electorate, Morrison abstained by fleeing the parliament before it ratified the nation's overwhelming will. Mm. And Paul, there are many politicians of faith in Australia. Many of them hold Christian beliefs and Christian values in particular. But the form of Christianity that Scott Morrison subscribes to is a little less common than others. Can you tell me about what sets it apart? Well, Ruby, there's a panoply of churches and groups that fall under the umbrella of Christianity, as you say. Pentecostals, of which Morrison is one, account for just 1% of the Australian population. Now, other mainstream churches question the orthodoxy of the so-called prosperity gospel. And this is a basic tenet of Pentecostal faith, which measures God's blessings by material wealth and possession. Now, for mainstream churches, the option for the poor is seen as a key measure of doing God's work, how we treat the dispossessed, the homeless, the naked, the poor. Jesus scandalised the religious um, authorities of his own time by mixing with the fringes. In fact, he was condemned for doing it. And it's found particularly in Matthew's Gospel. He said that on the day of judgment, we will be asked, uh, what did you do for the least of my brothers, because what you do to them, you do to me. And another example is I was hungry and you fed me, homeless and you took me in, naked and you clothed me. So these passages in the Bible underpin the social justice teachings of the Catholic, Anglican and Uniting Churches, for example. But its application sits badly with a raft of policies pursued by the Morrison government and opens the Prime Minister up to the charge of hypocrisy. We'll be back in a moment. The Every Moment Matters campaign provides accurate, evidence-based information and advice about alcohol, pregnancy and breastfeeding. It has been created by the Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education and endorsed and funded by the Australian Government. Alcohol use during pregnancy can lead to Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder, or FASD, a lifelong disability. So make the moment you start trying the moment to stop drinking. Visit everymomentmatters.org.au to find out more. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, the Saturday paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive the Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup made in collaboration with Fresco for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. 
The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. Paul, we're talking about Scott Morrison's faith. It's making news at the moment after he attended the Australian Christian Churches Conference. Do you see a tension between the Pentecostal faith and the policies of the Morrison government? Well, the most obvious one, Ruby, is the government's continuing harsh treatment of refugees. But the robo-debt saga is another indictment. This computerised debt collection from 400,000 welfare recipients led the government to fork out $2.1 billion in a settlement after numerous legal warnings and 2,000 deaths. Now, the minister who inherited the scheme from Morrison was none other than Stuart Robert. And Morrison actually referred to Robert, a fellow evangelical, as Brother Stewie in the Australian Christian Church's conference video. So the two brothers' approach to welfare was certainly harsh treatment of the least in our society. And Paul, Scott Morrison described his victory at the last election as a miracle win. How are things shaping up for him at the moment after some significant turbulence for his government? Well, the latest news poll has it 51-49% two-party preferred Labor's way. Now, that's the same result the poll returned ahead of the last election. And it's been like this way for months. It's line ball. And it means leadership could make all the difference in such a tight contest. And Morrison on that score would welcome news poll's latest measurement of leaders' character traits. Its results have, I've got to tell you, the Labor Party baffled and even some in the Liberal Party stumped. It found the Prime Minister has a higher level of support than many other for 10 years, and he has recorded the largest margin over an opposition leader since 2008. Morrison, according to the survey, has more vision for Australia than his opponent Albanese, and is more likeable, caring, decisive and trustworthy. And these findings are in spite of his appalling mishandling of the Brittany Higgins assault allegations and the less than convincing double standards applied to allegations against Christian Porter compared to his summary execution of Australia Post Chief Christine Holgate on the floor of Parliament, as well as his tolerance of the bullying of women constituents by his backbencher Andrew Lemming. So despite all of these issues, Paul, Scott Morrison is still well ahead of Anthony Albanese in the polls. So why is that? What do you think that the Labor leader is doing wrong? Or is this about Scott Morrison being a bit untouchable at the moment? Well, Ruby, one way to get a handle on it is compare the federal opposition and its polling, which is line ball, with oppositions around the country. I mean, they've all been wiped out. So from that point of view, Albanese and his supporters say, well, look, you know, if there was no pandemic, we'd be doing a hell of a lot better. And then they say, well, explain why if Morrison is so far ahead of Albanese in approval, why isn't that reflected in the two-party preferred? And I think that's a very good question and an indication of the pandemic factor. I've got to say, I agree with the pollster for The Guardian's essential poll, Peter Lewis. He frames it entirely in Morrison's response to the pandemic, aided, of course, by the states. And that response has kept Australia very safe compared to most of the rest of the world. And, of course, the catastrophe in India bolsters that sense of gratitude. Paul, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Ruby. Bye.
Andrew O'Hagan's latest, Caledonian Road, explores one man's epic fall from grace. I'm Michael Williams, and on this week's Read This, I sit down with Andrew to discuss this and the state of modern Britain. All that and more, wherever you listen. Also in the news today, India's coronavirus death toll has surged past 200,000, with the country experiencing its deadliest day yet. On Wednesday morning, the country reported almost 370,000 new cases, the largest single-day increase in the world. It also recorded a further 3,293 deaths. However, experts believe the official tally vastly underestimates the actual toll in a nation of 1.3 billion people. Crematoriums in Delhi have become overloaded with bodies, forcing authorities to build makeshift funeral pyres on spare patches of land. And President Joe Biden has given his first State of the Union-style address to Congress, declaring the United States is rising anew. Speaking on the eve of his 100th day in office, Biden unveiled a $2.3 trillion social policy plan. The plan includes the country's first paid parental leave scheme, universal preschool, and two years of free community college. It will be paid for by tax increases on high-income earners and corporations. 7am is a daily show from The Monthly and The Saturday Paper. It's produced by Ruby Schwartz, Elle Marsh, Atticus Basto, Michelle Macklem and Cinnamon Nippard. Ryan Compo mixes the show. Our editor is Osman Faruqi. Eric Jensen is our editor-in-chief. Our theme music is by Ned Beckley and Josh Hogan of Envelope Audio. New episodes of 7am are released every weekday morning. Follow in your favourite podcast app to make sure that you don't miss out. I'm Ruby Jones, and make sure to check your podcast feed tomorrow for a special bonus episode of 7am with author and activist Brie Lee.